it's hump day and i have nine unusual sexual practices from around the world just for you i'm not sure if you've heard of any of them before but i'm sure some of them will be completely new to you and it's going to you know open your eyes a bit of what the, the world is doing in terms of you know sex and practices and all of that um it's not it's not gonna be bad <laughs> or disgusting as uh, the sex sims but it is a bit different but they are all traditional practices just just remember that when you're hearing me you know, read these things to you. They are traditional practices and have been practiced for, I don't know, centuries, thousands of years, hundreds of years. I don't know. Maybe you could do some further research on it and see for yourself. So let's get into it. Number one. Public masturbation ceremonies in ancient Egypt. And I believe this is still practiced today. The ancient Egyptians held a strong belief that male masturbation was very important. They based this mainly on the Egyptian creation myth. According to legend, the Egyptian god Atum created the universe after ejaculation from masturbation. The flow of the river Nile was also said to be connected to the number of times the god ejaculated. Due to this, the pharaohs of ancient Egypt were required to ceremonially, ceremonially masturbate into the Nile. This became a ritual for the pharaoh as he was expected to recreate Atum's gift to the universe every year in order to nourish the Nile. I hope I say the people on them name correct. I hope it's Atum. Atum? It's A-T-U-M. I don't know. During the Feast of Nim. Each year, the pharaoh, alongside the general public, would head to the shores of the Nile and perform the holy rite. Upon getting to the shore of the Nile, the pharaoh would remove his clothes and masturbate, ensuring that his semen fell into the Nile. The other men would do the same. They believed that the semen would enable the Nile to give them more blessings and plentiful harvest. Huh. So if you go to Egypt and you just happen to be at that time during that that you know ritual, you see naked men masturbated into the, the river, just you know at least you know what they're doing now and not just random naked men masturbating. They they have a purpose behind it. Okay? Number two. Now this one, um, yeah, boys of Sambian tribe drink semen. Yeah, this ritual is a symbol of a young boy's rite of passage to manhood. It's Sambian is a tribe in Africa. Right, I just clear that up one time. It starts when a boy is between the ages of 6 to 10 and comprises of 6 stages. 
Imperative to the processes and teaching of the initial ceremony is the notion that women can be dangerous to men. Yeah. To become a man and, in essence, a quote-unquote warrior, these young men are taught how to detach themselves from their mothers and the women around them as a means of showing that they can live without them and prove their masculinity. It is a six-stage process of a woman's one's manhood and can take anywhere from 10 to 15 years until the young men father a child. So until they make a child, they're going through the process, the six-stage process. Um, I didn't really put these stages here. I found them, but it doesn't really matter. This is just doing with the, you know, the initial thing. So we go ahead. Much of the initiation and training is characterized by what some have deemed to be highly erotic and sexual. Um, the act of performing fellatio and the act of ingesting semen is seen as an integral part of manhood because boys are unable to mature into men unless they ingest semen and they adhere to the notion that all men have, quote, eaten the penis, unquote. According to Sambia belief, the semen of a man possesses the masculine spirit, which young boys will be able to attain through ingestion, ingestion of semen. And the semen comes from the... You know, the main warriors are the head warriors of of the tribe. So all the the elders and, you know, the important men of the tribe, they would, you know, do their whatever and give them the cement to drink. Because I think the Felicia is performed on the boys themselves. Yeah. Number three. <laughs> Old women sleep with young boys in Mangia. I think that's how you pronounce that one. So Mangia is a southernmost um, island of the southern group of the Cook Islands. Yeah, a self-governing state um, in free association with New Zealand in the South Pacific Ocean. Now, this island is famous because of the strange sexual tradition where young boys are supposed to have sex with older women, right? And this, this is to teach the young men tricks and tips and whatever on how to please their partners. And I think the young men usually starts at the age of 13, you know, I don't know the man. I don't know if it's like a community thing where they would go to old people meet and greet or something, and the the cougars <laughs> would pick a fellow and you know show them, hey, come and have sex, and I will show you what to do. I, I don't know if that's how it is, but that's that's their thing. Number four. Adolescents of a tribe in Chattisgarh practice sex without emotional attachment. 
oh, this is like my thing, my the guy thing. You know, you just have that person to have sex with. Well, it's it's kind of like that. So in Central India, in the Chhattisgarh region, young people of the Muria tribe are sent to mixed-sex dormitories called Gutal, where they live in close, confined quarters. These members are taught both the social responsibilities of the of the tribe, um, things like music, dance, respecting the elders, you know, and tribal traditions like bonding over natural brews and cooking, and also the individual consensual exploration of one's sexuality with one or multiple partners with or without emotional attachment. And these young people are usually, you know, unmarried. So they're not sending married people there to explore their sexuality. This happens before they uh they before they get married, whether it's through arranged marriage or, you know, however they meet the person and they get married. And most importantly, they practice without judgment. In order to avoid pregnancy, the girls drink a natural liquor um, as a herbal contraceptive. You know, some of these bushes are very powerful and they could do that. Uh, the message of the Gutal is that youth must be served that freedom and happiness are more to be treasured than material gain. That friendliness and sympathy, hospitality, and unity are of the first importance and above all, that human love and its physical expression. Oh, that sounds so nice. So they actually, you know, give them the freedom to explore their sexuality. You're expected to have sex in these gutals. You know, I don't know, probably try some stuff, get it out of the system. I mean, they are the, the creators of the Kama Sutra book, you know. So, you know, you get it, you read your book, you get some pointers from there, your tips or whatever, and you go there and you practice the stuff. I mean, once it's safe, I have no problem with this. And, you know, once it's safe and they they do practice safe sex, I don't know, sometimes some of these some of these places don't really have much contraception or healthy practices. But I mean if it works for them, it works for them. Number five. The Kriyong tribe builds love huts for teenage girls. So the Kriyong tribe is a tribe in Cambodia and the elders and the, you know, the men, like the brothers and the fathers and the, the, cousins, the male cousins of the community would usually build a hut. Um, it's either called a love hut or in some instances they call it a maiden hut for the teenage girls of their community. So, you know, if you had a sister... Or you have a daughter, you would go and build them this hut for, you know, that's just for them. Like a, you know, like a little one bedroom something, like a loft. <laughs> you build the hut for them. And here's where the girl will entertain 
the guests, whether it's, you know, fellow friends, like the girlfriends, you know, the teenage friends or whatever, or men. Um, several men would come and get intimate, intimate, with the young girls until she finds her soulmate. So she could, you know, have these guys come in, whether she want to have sex or don't have sex, friends or whoever. Most of the nights, think she, you know, she's by herself, but when she feels, you know, when she wants to get into that mood or whatever, she could, you know, try somebody out, pull somebody from the village and say, hey, what are you doing tonight? Come over now. What are you for? <laughs> the practice of building love huts allowed young women to experience courtship on their own terms. So, when the guys come, they don't necessarily have to have sex. But if they do, it's, you know, it's, I, I want to say expected or, you know, it's, it's normal for them to have sex. They don't have to, but they do if they want to. Um, and sometimes this leads to true love and lasting marriages. Number six. Men took young boys as lovers in ancient Greece. Adult males, both married and single, had frequent sexual encounters with teenage boys in ancient Greece. Yes, I think I saw a documentary about this because there are a lot of um, phalluses, statuette phalluses and stuff around ancient Greece and they were so hypersexualized back then that it started to come out through their artwork everywhere. The statues, the marble statues that they have, you know, all that stuff. Um, the paintings that they have, there are a lot of the paintings that they created at those times, during those times, depicted, you know, naked women, naked men, dress outside. You know, penis, vagina all over. They actually had orgies and all of that. So, yeah, this is not, how to put it, surprising. Not in the least. Um, let's get back to the story. The men got attracted towards young boys and preferred them for getting intimate. I don't know why. But, you know, like I said, gay Kids were here from as long as people were people, so. And even if they don't want to admit that they're gay, it's still a form of, you know, this. <laughs> I mean, you as a man, whether you're married, yes or no, you're attracted to a young boy, so that means that, you know, that in you, I guess. However, these were not child relationships, but rather partnerships between post-pubescent teenagers. But, of course, when they meant post-pubescent teenagers, or when they mean, you know, young boys, they're usually talking between the ages of 15 and 19, because, you know, back then, that was, that was the, the, the age. A lot of tribes, a lot of, you know, um, traditions at that time, a lot of cultures at that time, traditionally had... Uh, like 15, 16 as a cutoff point from you being a teenager to you being a man now, you know, or you being a, a young girl to a woman now. So, yeah. 
Number seven, an Indonesian festival of sex with strangers. You just have one big orgy. The Pan Festival is a centuries-old ritual where couples gather for sexual intercourse near to a shrine on the slope of a mountain. Now, this mountain is called Mount Kamakas, Kamukas, Kamakas. I'm going with that one, which is located near the village of Solo in Java. During the festival, ritualistic sex is practiced between strangers, even if both parties are married to other people. The couples must meet every seven times, every 35th day of the ritual, if it is to be considered complete. Now, I, I, I don't know why they have it, you have to meet seven times, but that's a good deal of sex with a stranger. And I think they have to meet with the same person. So if you go to the, the um, festival and you meet a stranger and you say, hey, this, I'm going to have sex with you, you're going to have sex with that person for seven times. Uh, every 35th day. And I'm not sure how long the festival lasts, but it seems like this goes on for months. So every 35th day of the ritual, you have to meet with this person, the same person, to have sex seven times in order for the ritual to be complete. Hmm? Why? Of course, you know how to dig further to find some more information because this is just like, what? Um, and what I've found is that there are several versions of the story. So I'm just going to give you one version, which, you know, kind of makes some sense to me. There were two people who were forced to leave their home when one of them, um, their father discovered that they were having an affair. So who are these two people? The two people um, in question is a 16th century prince and his stepmother. Yes. So Prince... Pangaran Samudro, which is the son of the Javanese king, and his stepmother, Naya Onchowulan. Just call her Naya. So, Naya and Pangaran were having, you know, an affair. That's a love affair. And when Pangaran father found out, like, how you could be having sex with my wife? That's a stepmother, for goodness sakes. I'll leave my place. I'll come out of here. I don't want to see her there again. You know, you kick them out. <laughs> when they fled, the pair arrived in the village of Solo, only to be caught mid so they fled and they're still having sex, they're still having their affair going on. I mean, the father didn't figure it out and they done banished her. It's out in the open, they might as well. Right, so when they were in mid the villagers found them and were killed. One theory suggests that the couples who, couples who commit a more scandalous act, because of course, it's stepmother and stepson, so that was really scandalous incest, and they probably didn't like that, or didn't have those things, or didn't condone those kind of actions then, which you know in most societies and most cultures wouldn't. Um, 
So if a couple commits a more scandalous act than Sumudra and Naya, they will be rewarded with good fortune. I don't know why they, they think that, but that's that's the theory. And that they must have sex on the grief to get it. So apparently, um, Naya and Sumudra were... Naya and Pangaran, right? Well, yeah, the same thing. They were buried together when the villagers found them and killed them. They were buried together. And at some point, their grave was turned into a shrine. Now, every year, thousands of pilgrims converge at the site of the belief, in the belief that illicit sex will bring them good luck. To me, that's just like a, a whole pass. <laughs> You know, when couples give them, just like the movie, they get a whole pass to do whatever they want to do for the weekend. So for this festi festival, they get a whole pass to go to the festival and have sex with who you want to have sex with. But it, it it's not like you're going... It, it comes like swinging, but it's, it's not multiple partners then so you go you have you're in a couple you and your husband or your wife or your girlfriend or your boyfriend or whoever and you go as a couple and you meet another couple or you meet another a stranger there and decide hey i go and have sex with you so it's not like threesomes or foursomes or anything like that is you know i meet you and you and i are going to have sex as strangers and i have to have sex with this stranger and this stranger alone. Yeah. So it's, it, like I said, it's not like, okay, I have sex with you here and then I move on to the next one. No. You're going to have sex with that person and that person alone on the 35th, on every 35th day of the ritual for seven times. Yeah. I'd, I'd, I don't know how it, it spiraled into that. From what I've read, I, I really couldn't figure it out, but it's a thing. It's a thing. <laughs> and the government there are trying to discourage people from doing it because they say you don't have to have promiscuous sex with strangers in order for you to have good luck and, you know, to get blessings or whatnot. You don't have to. So they're trying to discourage it. Um... Uh, they probably have some, you know, good fear because what comes to mind is STDs, AIDS, uh, pregnancies, unwanted pregnancies because they just want to have sex. They don't want to get pregnant from somebody else. So all these things, I could understand why the government would want to, you know, discourage it. It still, it still happens. It still goes on. But, you know, sometimes traditional stuff dies hard. And they don't, you know, people do what they want to do regardless, regardless of the consequences. Number eight, some Nepali tribes in the Himalayas, the brothers share a wife. So polyandry is not only acknowledged as a custom and culture in this region, but it is actually practice. So brothers in a family share a common woman for their complete married life. So this this just screams to me no divorce. So if I marry to you, my brothers have to get married to you and we would all be brothers in love. 
I don't know. I don't know what you will call it, but yeah. And this is to ensure that they don't have too many children for their limited farms and properties. I mean, I can kind of understand that you have limited farm and properties. Sometimes in those places, you know, resources are scarce uh, or limited and you just can't part or don't want to split it up too much because then you'll be suffering. You're probably done struggling or suffering as it is. So you don't want to have to share or divide your limited resources to children or to other people. What tripping me up about this is that it's brothers, like blood brothers. So like you and your three or four brothers or your other brother, your, your one other brother or whoever, if one of them get married or if you get married to one woman, they all have to get married to that one woman. They all have to get married to that one woman. So that's what I say, like brothers in love. Are you going to call that? Yeah, but one wife, multiple husbands, but the husbands are brothers. People have their stuff. They have their reasons. And the last one. Women feed armpit-flavored apples to their partner in rural Austria. In a rural in rural Austria, young ladies perform a traditional dance with slices of apples stuffed in their armpits. After dancing, women go to their man of interest and offer them a slice, which is then eaten by the man. This indicates that the man will always love having sexual pleasure no matter from which body part it comes from. Now, this this was kind of disgusting. Well, I shouldn't say was kind of disgusting. This is very disgusting because I not eaten anything that was stuffed in anybody's armpits. What, what? And then on top of that, she stuffed it. So the woman would stuff it in the armpits. And then they would perform a dance. So which means while they're dancing. the armpits. So while they're dancing, they might sweat. And then there are some people who sweat a lot in the armpits. And did, are they wearing deodorant or not wearing deodorant? Anyhow, you take it, it's going to be fresh and disgusting. And you know how apple gets when you cut it and you leave it out for five minutes. It gets wrong. And so imagine you have such an apple in the armpit and you're dancing. I don't know how long the dance is or how vigorous it is or how much, you know, sweat inducing it is. But this stuff in this thing here, and I don't know, and like I said, I don't know if they wear deodorant or not, but it's natural deodorant or not. It's, it's going to be... Yeah, and then you come and you offer to the man, and the man will just take it and eat it. What kind of sick fetish is this? This is just ugh. I'm not doing it. I would not do it. And if I mean, I wouldn't have to do it because I'm not a man. But that's why. This is why you have to question some of these traditions. Eh? Why are they doing? Why are they doing this? Just to show that the man is, first the man is sexually charged, that they're going to accept anything that you give them. 
if it's sexual. I wonder if the dance itself is sexual. If the dance have some kind of, you know, sexy kind of vibes to it that, you know, enticing the man, shaking the hips or something. I, I don't know. But to eat apple slices that was stuck under someone's arm after they finished dance. It's just nasty. It is nasty. So there you have it. Nine unusual sex practices from around the world. We visited, you know, Indonesia twice. Not too bad. We hit India, we hit Africa, Austria. Where again? I think that's it. Ancient Greece. And yeah. It's just... I hope you learned some stuff. <laughs> I don't know if you know any. You probably have heard one or two of them because I before I I got this information, I've I've heard of a couple of them before. The rest of them are new because I've heard about the um, ancient ejaculation in Egypt, in River Nile, and I also heard about the um, what was the other one? The love huts in Cambodia. I've heard about that one before. Everything else is new to me. I hope you had fun this time. It's one or two of it kind of disgusting, especially the one where the rites of passage for young boys is to drink semen. But I don't know, that is not too bad. And you say, you know, you get a new perspective of the world and different sex stuff. Until next time, folks. Like what you heard? Want to hear more? Tune in to the next episode. I have quite a bit of stories to tell, but if you want me to discuss a particular topic or want to know if I had an experience and how I handled it or discuss any of my philosophies I just want to leave a comment or you have any questions for me. You can email me your thoughts at chat at edensfinest.com. That's C-H-A-T at E-D-E-N-S-F-I-N-E-S-T dot com. You can also follow me on social media. My Instagram handle is at misadventures in Eden and on Twitter at miss underscore Eden. That's M-I-S underscore E-D-E-N.